Welcome back to the Max Effort Kitchen Podcast. We got a great segment for you. It's called The Athlete and the Chef. So sit back, relax, and let's go. That sound of pouring like a, a fizzy drink into a glass is probably one of the most satisfying sounds in the world. Uh, all right. Welcome to Max Effort Kitchen. I'm your host, Chef Matt. And uh, <laughs> that was a little like I could not say nothing about that because it's just like it's like when you grew up and, and watching like the Pepsi commercials or like it's it was the original ASMR, right? And you're just like yep. pouring it in there over the ice. It's bubbling. Oh man, that's great. And that pour the foam comes up over the top and just goes everywhere, and <laughs> nobody cares. When in real life, you're like, oh crap, and everyone just like bends down and sucks it into their. That, yep. Never mind. Yep. I'll stop there. Yeah, that could have gone a different <laughs> direction there. Oh, Cornell, how you doing today, buddy? I'm good. Just finished yep. some dinner and yep. went in the hot tub and the cold tub and. Uh, just a pretty chill resting day. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Today was definitely a rest day. It was like, for me, it was, it was grocery shopping and then came home and just did like little weird errands around the house. But, uh, yesterday was a different type of day. <laughs> yesterday <laughs> was, I, so I didn't get to train on, um, on Friday well, no, it's not that I didn't get to train. I didn't train on Friday because uh, just a lot of like weird mental stress for work. And it was just a really exhausting week. And I would have been trash out on that platform. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take this night off, watch some movies with the family and train Saturday. And uh, that went very interesting. Like, <laughs> um, you know, I don't I don't usually train hard Saturdays. And so I was doing pretty well. Um, snatches went well. Uh I got some bumps and bruises that are stopping me from really um, going super hard and super heavy, but that's okay because I think the those will those will eventually go away. But overall, it was a good weekend. It was a good weekend for sure. Nice. Well, I think you're right. You're about three and a half, no, four weeks away. Four yeah. weeks minus one day from competition. Yep. So that's generally where you're supposed to feel the worst. Yep. And, uh, it is true. <laughs> I do feel the worst. <laughs> so, um, yeah, dude, I mean, I guess I did do one cool thing and I think people probably saw it on the Instagram. Uh, we went to Maddie was in the, uh, youth games, uh, 2023 youth games. It's held at, uh, Nike world campus. It's for the special Olympics. And that was overall a great, just a really positive. I was telling you, you know, pre-show that, it's probably one of the more heartfelt, heartwarming events because all the kids are out there, they're trying and everybody out there is just super enthusiastic and it's just a really good time. That's awesome. Yeah. I was enjoying watching the videos and the reels and the, <laughs> yeah, and I called it a reel. Who am I? I'm, you what about some young kid now? <laughs> <laughs> the videos, the, the snippets. Yep. yep. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it puts a good perspective on being, um, athletic, you know, and it, mm -hmm. it just shows you that the, the spectrum of athletic is so much bigger than, and what, than what we think it is. And, 
And uh, I, I was telling you that, like, I got to meet a, a world-class, like, Olympic athlete that has world records. And the dude, you know, he's, he has fake uh, the, the running uh, feet, running legs from the knees down. And, man, he was just one of the coolest dudes. Had a really, really motivational speech at the very beginning. They do, like, the opening games. But, yeah, it was, it was a good time. It gives you a good perspective and all that stuff. But, uh Yeah. <laughs> yeah cool. i see you had some good lifting off the blocks this week yeah it was a pretty good week uh i had some kind of funky stuff going on saturday so one of the coaches at the gym i was like hey i think i'm doing this and his name's josh and he gave me some tips on like the the position the blocks were at he was saying that and i know that i was doing this but i was cranking back directly from where I was pulling from. Like I got the knees out of the way and that was my start position. And then I would just pull back from there. And what he was saying is generally when I'm lifting or when people are lifting, they want to stand the bar up a little bit past the knee before they start pulling back. Right. So even though I, I was enjoying hitting the lifts I was hitting, something felt off. And then I just started overthinking everything and it was kind of getting in my head. And But it, overall, it was still good. And it kind of gave me some ideas to like change some stuff up and think about stuff. And so I worked up to roughly the number I was supposed to hit. And then I put the blocks away and I waved down and waved back up. And nice. if you've ever done that, going from the blocks to the floor, it feels like you just... I mean, you're literally going a foot lower, so it feels like this giant deficit. Yeah, yeah, that's um, a t that's an interesting one. And I saw you do that. Um, you, you know, obviously on film, it didn't look like it was a very hard transition, but I know how that works. You know, <laughs> it's yeah, film live, film lies one hundred percent. But it's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sweet. And then the ne the next day was one of those kind of weird days where I looked at the program and I. It looked good, but it was also one of those weights where right now we're kind of getting into a volume phase. Yeah. And we're just trying to get some volume in. But there's certain weights for me where if that's a top end set, like for me, 90 kilos, give or take, is if that's a top end set that I'm supposed to hit a lot of reps, I I just don't. And I call it what it is, a flaw, whatever. I'm not going to warm up properly to get to a 90 kilo snatch because that's generally my second weight. Yeah. So I go 50, 90. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to be warmed up, but I can just kind of muscle through it and I can kind of do what I need to with it. So I told my buddy Nick, I said, let's, let's go a little heavier. Let's not just stick to this 90 kilos. Like generally we can snatch 120, 125 and it's going to be the same amount of effort or a little, it'll be a little bit more effort, but it'll be better for us than if we were just doing the 90 and not warmed up properly and moving correctly. Right. So we were tired from the day before and everything felt slower, but it was still like we had to hit the positions. We had to do the work. And I think that I did a, I did a much better training session going up to the, I think the plan was like 110, mm -hmm. and we were hitting powers. And then, Nick's best power snatch was 120. So we it was two pulls plus two snatch two power snatches. Okay. And then as we got heavier, it would get two pulls plus one power snatch. Then we took a bonus rep at 16. 
and I said that it's one plus one, and then we went to 121, and I said it's a zero plus one complex, meaning we're just power snatching. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he hit, he hit that PR, so. Nice. So yeah, I, it was a good I, session. I saw you guys doing something, and I think he posted it, or both of you posted it, but I, <laughs> I might have commented on just his. I don't remember whose I commented, but, okay, it was a <laughs> – it was a clean to a split jerk to another split jerk. Like what, what is it was, <laughs> it was a split clean to a split jerk switching okay. legs. Okay. It looked and incredibly easy, but I can't imagine it is. It was very mind like screwy. Yeah. Because when you're, if you're not a split cleaner, which 99% of us are not, I think I know one guy who, <laughs> yeah does it actually he just yeah. split snatches no that's true it, yeah, yeah it was it was a trip so i kind of just turned my it wasn't heavy it was 70 kilos but i turned my brain off i just literally pulled and did what i knew i was supposed to do if i was going to do this right and then you catch it in the split and then from there you drove directly out of it and switched your feet and it was just like one of those like hey let's let's see if we can make this happen it's funny so. because you like the 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 speed that it's that it recorded on like it, it looked like you guys were incredibly fast. There was <laughs> no like pause in between, you know, the catch and the the split jerk. Um <laughs> I was just like I I just I think I I think it was Nick that I I said it to. I was like W2F, what the hell is this? Like <laughs> what is this? And just laughed a bunch and he goes, "Yeah, we program these from time to time." And I'm like, "No you don't." <laughs> no you don't. <laughs> but we used to program, I believe we would program like clean jerks where mm -hmm. you go, you do the clean and then it would drive straight up straight into the jerk like you don't yeah. stand it up and go. I think yeah. we did those once or twice. More as a warm up. Uh, we used to yep. try a bunch of stuff. So I'm trying I usually to do that. In fact, yeah. I did that this weekend because we've been messing with my jerk a little bit to try to reset it. But when I'm doing like a power jerk, um, or, you know, something like that, I'm always like my first couple of sets are really fast. So it's like, I don't even, I don't set and then do it. I just like go right into it. And it helps like my shoulders and my body get like, um, adjusted to the different form and different way I'm going to be moving. And my brain, sure. I guess. Well, you know, um, it, it kind of brings me to a topic that, you know, you brought up actually. And, and I think that uh, is a really good topic, which is like, um, let's see if I can say this properly, but like coaching versus your weight, weightlifting age and like when you need it and when you don't, because I think there's a, uh, there's a, a misconception about coaching. Now, actually, you know what? I'm going to back up a little bit and I'm going to talk about like, let's talk about what is coaching, like coaching in weightlifting from a guy that came from team sports is incredibly different. Um, there for me, um, I'm used to like, when you go to a team sports and I, did you play team sports? Not enough to say I did. I mean, okay. like I stopped at 12 or 13. So in the team sports world, coach rules. You do whatever the coach says. And if you don't, you're probably not going to play. Um, and 
you know, they're going to say whatever they want to you. They're going to get you to do the things. They're coming up with the schemes. They're doing it's, – it's all the coaches. So they don't look at somebody that's like a highly skilled player and then like, yeah, you know, I'm not, you can do what – you know, you're good on your own, but I'm going to work with these guys. Um, generally, it's everybody together doing exactly what the coach wants. Um, but I've noticed in, in this world of weightlifting, and this might be the only individual sport I've actually done, uh, yeah, probably that I've, that I've competed in. Um, it just, there, there's more of a, like this idea of like this, the coach watching and when the coach sees something, they'll say something and each coach is different on how they say something. Um, go into that a little bit. Like, you know, you're, you, this is what you grew up with in, in, you know, in coaching in the world of weightlifting. Like, how do you view it? What's your perception with that? So I've always been a fan of the coaches who don't say a lot. Yeah. Um, I think that if you want to get good at weightlifting, there's, there's enough that people can say, but if you can't figure it out, if someone can't just give you a quick little something and then you kind of learned, you have to figure out how to implement it. It's right. And again, I didn't play football. I didn't play basketball or a lot of those kinds of things. But it seems like a coach would give you guys a play yep. and then you would just follow the steps and go do it. Right. Well, if someone says, like, you need to finish more vertically, what does that mean? Like, how, how, that's really all they can say. They can't do too much to, like, show you <laughs> yeah. how it's done. This is true. They can't really show you a map. And it's something you have to figure out on your own. Yeah. So I've been much more of like, I've coached new people. I've coached people who've lifted a long time. Um, and I just, I'm a big fan of, I'm not going to help. I'm not going to try to start coaching you until you're making the same mistake repeatedly. Cause if you're right. not doing the same problem all the time, then you don't even, you're not even a consistent lifter to the point where if I, if you're, I'm going to throw some things out that aren't necessarily wrong, but, or I'm just okay. going to go with them. So, <laughs> cause you're going to laugh at this one. Like if you're not moving your feet on one lift, then it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. But then yeah. you jump back a foot on the second lift and then you jump forward on the third lift. Why am I going to start really talking to you about your foot, foot placement? I'm actually right. probably going to tell you not to move your feet, period. Just put your feet yeah. in the receiving position and try to learn, go from there. Yeah. Um, but I guess that would be a consistent failure if you're jumping all over the place. So we're going to try to figure out how to get you to the least problems there. But mm -hmm. if you're missing a lift in front, then you lift the lift in back and then you press a lift out and then you jump a foot forward. Like there's no point in me really telling you how to fix each thing with each lift. Cause then you're going to be thinking about something else and screwing something else up. Right. Well, uh, yeah. So like in, in that terms, um, I guess my, where my brain goes as someone who has coached people before in other sports. Uh, but what I, I, I feel like if I saw somebody being kind of like all over the place like that, I'd want to back it all the way up to the, like some basic stuff, like get them to move. So they're not all over the place. Now it's a different realm. Like you can sit there and say, you know, okay, I want you to go straight to, you know, hang, hang, hang snatches. That's it. Don't need to move your feet. Let's go hang powers. Let's, let's say that hang powers, like the least amount of movement to do 
to do a, a snatch with. Right. And we're going to keep it, keep it at lightweight. And so like from a coach's standpoint, like, is that like a cue for that? Or is it like, you know what? I need you to, I need you to stop. You're all over the place. You know, let's just stop moving your feet. Go do your thing. No, I, I think that's a good, that would be a good coaching thing is to bring the weight down to a, a weight that they can manage and they can muscle through Yeah, that's and try one. to make it yep. consistent. Yeah. Um, I like it that. was funny because on Saturday I was helping out in the beginner class and there was a girl there who she's very, very new, uh, probably w- the worst shoes you could imagine wearing. <laughs> <laughs> she was wearing like Nike Air Max. <laughs> like you don't well, wear those in weightlifting. They no, are you do not. way too much cushion. Yeah. Uh, but when she had the PVC pipe, she could not move that bar in a straight pattern because it was right. too light and she could just reverse curl it. So then I ended up going and grabbing the 15 pound training bar. And then all of a sudden that bar was pulling much more vertical because even though it's light, it was heavy enough that it was going to create some resistance. Yep. And then from there, she ended up going to the, 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 the 15 kilo bar. Hmm. That's what it is, right? 15. Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> Something like that. I don't use it. So yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, the, and so, so, you know, what you did as, as coaching this person is basically add more resistance to get them to move into the right position, which is a, a, a valuable thing that I don't think a lot of people would notice. And, uh, so, and the, so I guess in, in the world of coaching, um, weightlifters or in the world of weightlifting, like it's, it's a different it's a different beast than it is with team sports, obviously, because you got to be able to have uh, some sort of confidence that the athlete wants to be there, wants to get better, and then wants to have the drive to do it on their own. Because you're right, you can't like physically force somebody to finish, you know, straighter. You can't like hold their back while they do it, right? You know, um, you can give them cues all day, but that also leads me to my next one is like, at what point do you need a coach standing there versus not standing there? This just popped in my head right now. So it's not like a thing that I've said for a long time, but okay. I, it, it reminds my daughter's about to start driving. Okay. It reminds me of when I started driving where in the very beginning, I had no idea what I was doing. I got my permit. Uh, my parents would be in the car and they were constantly yelling at me and I was terrified. So right. I wasn't comfortable driving and I, I spent a lot of time learning probably six, seven months. And then I went and took my tests and I got my license and they said, you're, you're good enough to go alone. <laughs> but it wasn't till I started driving all the time and I was by myself that I actually got comfortable driving and it became second nature right now. Like I can, I don't have to think about driving anymore just at the same time. Up until a certain weight, I don't have to think about snatching. I don't have to think about clean jerking. Okay. It's just it comes naturally. Yeah, um, no, I like that analogy too. So so my kind of feelings is in the very beginning, it's good to have somebody there where you're learning. Then there should be a, a pretty good phase where there's someone there, but they're not watching you the whole time. Like mm-hmm. go to a gym where you have a someone – that their eyes are on you. If you have a question, you can answer it. If something's standing out really bad, they'll, they'll point it out. Uh, and then 
it kind of just once you start having those consistent issues, then they can help fix that. But then the further you get along in the sport, in my opinion, the less coaching you actually need. Mm. And it, it should be much more of almost the coach holding you back rather than having to push you. Interesting. Um, like if, if you really, th- everyone's going to get to a point in this sport where they're just going to want to go heavier and heavier and heavier. Yeah. And the, it, it's very common. It, like all the memes make meme and jokes about it. That's like, Oh, we're going off program today. It's, it's very <laughs> rare for people to say like, Oh, I'm going off program today. I'm going to get, I'm going to go 50% lighter. It's like, no, you're always going to go 50% <laughs> heavier. <laughs> yeah. Going off program today. I'm only doing two reps. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that happened. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, you can. We like, won't go cut, there. Cut program, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, well, that's interesting. Oh, go I, ahead. No, I just feel like the higher and higher you go, uh, the more that you should have. You should be able to do this kind of on your your own, and your coach is much more keeping you held accountable, yeah. and you're doing what you're supposed to do to keep them. To, not just to keep them happy, but they have a bigger plan and they have had this thought out. They should know like you're unless you're just in a, a very basic program, like our gym has a basic program, which is basic. It keeps them basic, but it's pretty much <laughs> what I I've talked to people about it. And I said, if you're not going to compete, do the, it's the blue program, right? Do the blue program. It's kind of like, it's not CrossFit, but it's, the idea of CrossFit classes where you're just going to come in and you're going to learn and you're going to get better, but you're not going to peak. You're not going to go heavy. You're not going to go super light. It's just going to be a very consistent, something you can do to improve. Hmm. But if you're going to be a competitor, your coach should be knowing what competition your, the plan is to do. And your coach should know kind of what the plan is leading into that competition. And you're, you should be able to talk to your coach and be like, I don't need to know exact specifics, but like, why are we doing what we're doing? What, when's it going to, like, what's going to happen in a month? What's going to happen in two months? Like that type of a thing. You know, and I like that um, because there, there's different programs for different athletes and um, it's all in what your, I guess what your goal is, but um, I'm going to speak for, uh, at least I'm going to try to speak for uh, the garage lifters out there in the in this kind of topic, which is we never have a coach watching us. <laughs> we never have, um, you know, coaches like giving us instant cues, instant do this, instant. Like I will say anytime I post a video on our Discord page, like, and this is something I really, really like about Stephanie is that she gives me the non-complimentary uh, comment or cue. It's not like, like, it's not like, Oh, looking great, but Hey, try to do this. It's like, you're banging that off your hips. (laughs) I need you to stop (laughs) doing that. (laughs) You know, or like, you know, or like you need to you know get more vertical. You're, you're pulling back on that bar too hard. And I, um, absolutely appreciate the way she does that because she, as a coach, um, she draws the line of like ver- your friend versus your coach. And I think um, it's, it's a hard line to stay on, on one side of it. And um, it's, it's easy to be friends with people that are doing the thing that you love and mm-hmm. the, the thing that you love to coach. Um, but a good coach is not going to do that. And from a garage lifter standpoint, 
I want to maximize my time that I have being coached. Yeah. Which is anytime you say anything to me, I mean, you can say hi or whatever. How's your day? But like, I want to, I, I want you to give me some cues and tell me what you're seeing. Um, and then I can go on for the next three weeks and work on that stuff and then come back and say, Hey, here's what I look, here's what I worked on. Here's my video. Let me know what you think. That, um, to me, I, I don't know how I would react if I had a coach and I was in a gym and they, they were seeing me every day. I don't know. It would be well, weird. This is this comment I'm about to say is going to ruffle some feathers, but I don't really care <laughs> because I'm not on that team anymore. Yeah. Are you paying Stephanie to be your friend? Are you paying Hell Stephanie no. to be your coach? I'm paying her to be my coach. So I, why should she be just complimenting you and trying to like just tell you all the nice, happy things about you're doing good on this, you're doing good on that? It's like if you're doing correct. good on that, who cares? Yeah. You're paying her to criticize you and you're paying her to help improve you, not just be an encourager and make you feel good inside. Right. Right. Um, you shouldn't. If, if, if you just wanted to be encouraged that that's what like friends who don't know what they're talking about are, can do <laughs> <laughs> this like true. a coach should be more knowledgeable and not a coach, a coach relationship should be coach first friends after Yeah, it shouldn't be a friendship first and then a coach after. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I immediately noticed it about Stephanie, like from when we went down there, from when I talked to her on the phone in the initial conversation, like there was, there's something about that, that, you know, she draws that line really well. Um, I, so I work with, uh, and I mind you, I haven't done it in a couple of months because all my kids graduated, but, um, I do work with, uh, you know, special needs kids in on the platform. And usually it's the slow lifts. It's like deadlift, it's squat, um, maybe some bench if they have the right, um, dexterity and, the, and they, they can move in, in a good, good enough pattern. But that, that, and see, this is where the athlete comes in because they need the encouragement. Like they, I need to be able to give them encouragement first. Great job. Good job pushing through that. Good job trying. Okay. This is how we're going to fix this. Um, I think with, um, maybe like first year athletes, you could probably get away with that. But like, I think after you're done with your first year, or even if you're done with your first competition, it's no more, Oh, that looked great. Okay. Well, let's try this next time. It's like, bro, you need to scoot your feet in, bring your hands out wider. Um, I need you to finish tall. Give, give me a bigger shrug, you know, pull that bar a little slower in the bottom. It's, it's stuff like that. And, um, so it's really, to me, I guess the way I see it in my perception is like, it's, it's the athlete that we're looking at. And I think in, in the world of weightlifting, we don't come across many athletes that need, well, never, I, I take that back. Um, we come across athletes that do need that reinforcement, but I think it's out there that you're not going to get it. And so when you do get it, it's a little weird. Yeah, I, I would definitely say that if you do a good job. Yeah, it is nice for your coach to say, "Do you did a good job?" <laughs> but yeah, that's true. If all they're saying is you're doing a good job, or they're giving you yes. little stupid cues that really don't necessarily make a difference, like "Oh, you yeah. could move your feet a little bit more." It's like, "Oh, hey, look, your feet are moving." That's that's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could also lift a little more weight. 
Yeah. <laughs> like just saying you, you should move your feet more doesn't really necessarily make you a better lifter. But yeah. if they're coming at you and they're telling you like, hey, you should try this. Hey, you should work on this. You should work on this. And then they see you, if you're in person, in that session, doing it and changing those things and working on it, then it would be a good thing for them to be like, oh, that's good. That's looking better. But not just coming up and being a cheerleader. You know, yeah. I mean, that's that's huge. What, what's, your, what's your take on asking questions as a coach? Like, you see somebody make a lift. So tell me why you moved your feet like that. Like, do you think that gets a good response or have you ever had any, have you ever done that or give, didn't like got a response from anybody out of that? Not really. But like I said before, I don't like to say too much cause I, I like people, I want people to lift how they're going to lift. Yeah. And yeah. instead of me, I don't like back to that driving thing. I don't want to be a backseat driver. Nah, like, I like that. I want it to be smooth and comfortable and as fast as possible. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've so. had a couple people be like, why did you do that? And I look at them and I'm like, I don't know, because I did, because <laughs> I did, which is why I do it. Um, so this kind of leads into another part of this conversation, which is like your programming, right? Um, and, and what I wrote down was individual versus team versus uh, just like the template program. Now, I'll say when I first started weightlifting, um, before I joined a team, um, I, I did a 12 week uh, template and being somebody new that came from CrossFit, (laughs) good work, (laughs) smelling salts just came out, uh, being somebody new that just came through uh, CrossFit. I I knew the motions and I knew the movements. I knew the names of the exercises. So I wasn't too worried about that. Um, I look like shit doing it. (laughs) (laughs) And so the template, I, I, I think each one of these, like team versus template versus individual. Um, I think they directly correlate with your weightlifting age. What's your, what's your thought on that? So I'm not a fan of a template program. Yeah. Like I think that you should have to be held responsible for what you're doing and have somebody that is going to be that, that you're like, that's holding you accountable for what, what you're doing. Right. And Sorry, I'm posting to the in- Instagram because <laughs> nice. we're we're recording. Okay, I haven't seen too many people. I'm not saying I haven't seen any of them, but I haven't seen too many people successfully do an eight week, twelve week, sixteen week cycle mm-hmm. and complete it, or complete it with PRs like success. Complete it successfully. Right. I feel that most of the time, people will buy a program. They're 20, 30 bucks. They're cheap enough that you'll just buy it and you compare it to coaching or getting a a program from a coach or anything like that. And you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's, I can just drop 30 bucks on this. No big deal. Right. No one's going to be holding you accountable to it. No one, if you miss a week, uh, it, you missed a week. Like, right. And then you just kind of taper off and find something else. And that's, I think, why there's a lot of people who that term program hop, uh oh, dropped a scooter. (laughs) Uh, a lot of program hoppers because they they do something and then they get sick of it and they move on. They don't finish it. If you have a a coach or honestly, if you're, if you're doing like the weightlifting AI, that's another real good one where it is programmed for you and it does have a plan and it, it is much more than just buying a template. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so that one is probably the one little asterisk right there. Um, but having a, a program where you have someone to talk to, I think is going to be the best thing. Um, I don't think having a custom program, unless you're peaking for something that the rest of your team is not, is I would never pay extra for it. I think that it would be, I don't want to take that away from, from coaches and that kind of thing if they offer it, because some people want to feel special and they want to have their their special program. But I think you're going to, for the most part, you're going to do just as good on a team program as you would on an individualized program. Yeah. Uh, unless there's like a specific thing you need to work on, then that would be a little bit different. Uh, uh, but the time where I do think it is very important for everyone to do the exact same thing would be if there's a class that you're attending. So when Nick mm. and I used to coach uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, like we only had one program that we really had. And then there was a, a one or two other people who were doing different programs, but they weren't li they literally weren't allowed to be in the room while we were doing our class because they would be doing something sense. else and it was distracting. And, uh, when we were doing our class, we would literally warm up together. Then we would start snatching all at the same time. So Nick and I were just watching everybody snatch and we were just helping wherever we could. And then they'd move on to squats or pulls or whatever. And then the, the next day would be clean jerks and that kind of a thing. So that's yeah. when I think it is very important to be doing the exact same thing. Um, but I also think it's important that if in my perfect world, like I think that uh, Bexar or Bear Weightlifting or whatever yeah. barbell club, yep. that you can't go to their gym if you don't do their program. Interesting. And some people don't necessarily agree with that. But the one thing that I do like about it is for the most part, the coach knows what's kind of going to be going on for that day. It might shift a little bit here and there, but there's not, you're not getting some random person doing some random other stuff, right? Uh, pulling the blocks out, being distracting, that type of a thing. Um, I don't know. I'm just I, you know, I think, <laughs> I think they're saying they're um, by doing that, you're, you're sending a message saying, if you're going to be at, at this club, you're going to be a part of our team and you're going to do what we do. And I get that. I, and I mm -hmm. think that there's a, there's a big difference between that and like, um, I'm trying to think, or going to like what we go to up here, the Rose city barbell club, you know, they, they aren't just a barbell club. They are a CrossFit gym that has four or five platforms in the back that, uh, weightlifters go to just do weightlifting. And that's what we do. Um, you know, Damon and I, and I've been doing it once a, once a week and we'll probably continue to do that, uh, leading up to the competition because, Hey, that's where the competition's at. Like we're getting free access to like home turf here. So, um, it just, it helps in the headspace of things. At least it did last time. Um, so, uh, I think, you know, with me not having a ton of experience of being, uh, just a part of a weightlifting only gym. I understand where that comes from. And I, I do appreciate that. Like, uh, would I, would I love a barbell club that open up that has like, you know, 10, 15 platforms where you could just go in and do your own thing. Um, yeah, but I think that's lifetime fitness and that's not a barbell club, but they have the 10 to 15 platforms. You can go in there and do your own thing. 
Sure. And that's what those, those gyms are for. Like those, those type of gyms, you can go do that. You want to be part of a team. You want to uh, get like really like specifics program and compete and do all that stuff. Then join a barbell club, Join, you know, like, I think, I don't know. I'm, I might be one of like four remote athletes that the uh, strength tank has uh, four or five, but for the most part, you guys are a, you know, you're a barbell club. You're, mm-hmm. you do weightlifting in there. I mean, you have that little area in the back where you get to do the accessories and other stuff and squat area, but like most people that go in there are doing the same program. And I'm pretty sure that I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that like, if you do go in there, you're going to be doing that program. So we have the, the basic program. We have the competitors program, but then we do have a handful of athletes who are SoCal athletes who are doing the SoCal program. And then there's maybe, I can think off the top of my head of three people. I'm sure there's more who are doing some random other team, other coach program. Yeah. So, but for the most part, the bulk of the people at the gym are all doing like the same stuff. That's cool. One of the other things, and again, this will, this, I'm not trying, I'm just being honest here. Um, When I was coaching CrossFit at the first gym, there was a conversation that was had about the, the gym owner doing different programming than what the gym was doing. And from mm. what I remember, he ended up stopping doing this remote um, competitors program. He was like a, a regional athlete, never quite a games athlete. Right. But what the, the guy said who was talking to him was, is your program not good enough? Is ah. your coaching not good enough? <laughs> That's and if it's not good enough for you, why is it good enough for your team? And if if it like if if it's not good enough for the person who owns the gym, then everyone else should probably go to get programming from whoever you're getting programming from. Right. Right. And that always kind of really set with me where I've always felt that the gym owners should be doing the same program that they put out for everybody else. I agree. Um, I there's... don't think you need to, I do believe you should or can have a coach, but I think that you should be doing your team's program. Yeah. I think it, I mean, from, uh, from somebody who teaches people things like I want to be able to, um, be very familiar with what I'm doing and what I'm talking about and what I'm expecting other people to do. And so you're talking about from a quality standpoint, I'm talking about from um, a teaching standpoint of like why, you know, there are certain lifts placed in certain areas and we're doing certain percentages on different days and like being able to answer that question. That's not just like kind of a blanket statement of the, well, this is why we're doing this, but like have a little bit more invested into it. Um, now this also brings up a huge debate of like, cause I've heard many people, you know, go back and forth on this one, which is the idea as is if your coach should be an athlete or, you know, if your coach should be, uh, competing or should be lifting, I think, yes, they should be lifting. Um, I think if they're competing, I don't know, I, you know, if they can manage the two, but I, 
I'm a, I'm a little uh, on the fence about like where I feel about that. Like the second you show that you can't uh, manage the workload and compete, like you got to pick one way or the other, in my opinion, like be a coach or be a, a competitive athlete. No, I, I agree with that one. That was something that um, I think is a good thing that a, there should be certain competitions if you are going to be a competing coach that your club knows that there's no coaching that's going to be there. Like right. that's going to be the, the meet that you're going to go to. And it sh- it's not necessarily going to be one of the coolest, biggest, baddest competitions out there oftentimes it'll be like oh there's this little one that there's probably going to be 30 people at um and i would really like to go to the one that there'll be 150 people at but i have 10 athletes who are doing that one and i don't want to coach all the way through and then go do that one yeah because that's no. you're not going to do good in that i'm with um, you on that I've also, I listened to a bunch of the stuff with like Joe Beck and Joe said that he never lifts with any of his athletes. He because, definitely does not. Because he wants to have that separation between athlete and coach. And I think that that's a important thing as well. Um, yeah. Not yeah, necessarily you know, all the time, but definitely not. I, I wouldn't, if I was a main coach at a gym, I wouldn't necessarily want to come in there just like in the middle of big Friday and go lift with everybody. No, no, I wouldn't either. And I, I, uh, I like, I really like Joe's outlook on that is like, I'm here to coach you not to lift with you. And it's the, the same kind of on the same line of like, I'm here to coach you, not be your friend. You know, every, everything points to I'm your coach. I'm not worrying about my stuff or other things. So, um, the, that was all like really, really good conversation all around coaching, weightlifting age programs. Uh, let's talk about some food, dude. All right. I, <laughs> I had some ghetto food for dinner. Did you? What'd you eat? So what I was thinking of <laughs> is it was, it. it was ghetto, but it okay. was also very nutritious. It didn't okay. taste that terrible and it was cheap. So nice. I cooked up about a pound and a half. I didn't eat the whole thing. I made it more for lunch. Okay. Uh, a pound and a half of ground beef. I just seasoned it with like some garlic salt and some other little stuff, some dried onions, whatever I could kind of just throw in there. Right. And then I took a, about a half a stick of butter, threw it in another pan, cooked some broccoli. Then I made some white rice. And then I just mixed it all together and I made with the... Uh, Korean barbecue sauce, and it was like a a real ghetto cheap beef and broccoli with rice. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my gosh, people would be so ashamed!" But the the, the beef was four fifty, I think, okay. for the whole thing. Okay. Nice. I got more than enough for like if I wanted to eat it for every meal tomorrow, I have enough left for that. Yeah, who knows how much two cups of rice cost? Fifty cents. yeah if that right and then like a a head of broccoli so like i realistically made probably six meals for eight (laughs) dollars jesus and and not only did you make six meals you made six really good like caloric yeah healthy protein healthy yeah like all you got all of it in there carbs like just because it's 
ground up beef doesn't mean it's not beef. I mean, it doesn't yeah, taste as good as like steak, but correct. It's all, it's all the same thing, just different applications. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I like that. I, I don't, and, and to me, I don't see that as, as ghetto. I see that as just like being creative with what you got and making it work. Um, I used, so I, my mom used to make this now. I don't know this. I guess this is a thing. Uh, maybe it's more of in the South. I don't know if you've heard on it, heard it. It's going to, it's going to throw you off a little bit. It was called uh shit on a shingle. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Okay, cool. So basically what it is, is you make this gravy, this roux based gravy, and she would put like ground beef in it and like maybe some peas and a lot of Worcestershire sauce and then serve that over like toast, like Texas toast. Okay. And we would just eat it. And it was really freaking good. And I also do that with like, I'll do like cream tuna over toast and it's, it's filling it. Really filling, <laughs> but it's really good too. It's one of those things you can just eat for a while. Um, but like it's 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 stuff like that. Like, who the hell's gonna name something shit on a shingle and like yeah, call it call it a meal, right? <laughs> um, but apparently that's a thing. Uh <laughs> so, anyways, uh I tonight we had um what I like to make uh from time to time again, and I'm not uh, ashamed of saying this, but I call them gringo tacos uh or gringo burritos which is the whitest of white flour tortillas, uh, ground, <laughs> we did ground beef with the seasoning, the taco packets, mm-hmm. um, chopped up tomatoes, like shredded, pre-shredded, which if you know me, I don't do pre-shredded, <laughs> but we're doing pre-shredded cheddar cheese and uh, sour cream, wrap them up and just like, I'll make like four of them. Uh, and I'll just sit there on the plate and, and eat it with a little bit of chips and salsa. And it's like, it's a, it's a weird thing cause it's nostalgic. And I used to eat those when I was growing up. So I'm like, I don't even care it's if home, this is home, a homemade Taco Bell. Thank you. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what I thought. Some refried beans. Like, yep. <laughs> yeah, it was, Taco Bell it was is the number one Mexican food restaurant in America. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Dude, it's been a good show. Um, you know, oh, you know what else we did is, while we're on food is, and I, I was really interested in this because like, so last night we, we usually do ice cream one night a week. And I was like, you know, we're going to take the kids out to milkshakes and go get some fun milkshakes. But I was like, let's do a freaking milkshake bar. So nice. I went to the store. I bought like two gallons of, of vanilla ice cream and a bunch of like toppings. I was like, all right, guys you know, write down three toppings of what you want. And it, I, the, 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 the chef and me started calculating the cost. So I bought everything for $20 and, uh, we only used one carton. I could probably have gotten eight milkshakes out of this and I got tons of toppings left over. So, uh, my advice to anybody who wants a good milkshake out there, just think about what you want in it and go to the store and buy it. Use the Briar's ice cream because that blends up very fast and very quick. Um, but like, and then the toppings, man, you can put anything in there, anything. I did like mint Oreos with uh, whipped cream and like sprinkles on top and <laughs> peanut butter cups. And uh, dude, it was the, the maraschino, maraschino cherries yep. uh, blended that up in the ice cream. So it made like a cherry ice cream, which was really oh, good. good. Yeah, dude. As it was, it was fun. The kids were, it was like super interactive. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know why I haven't thought of that before, but it, it was a lot of fun. No, that's great. That's, 
that's one of my tips that I always give people for when they're if they want to bulk up, go up a weight class, or if it's going to be like a heavy squat cycle or like a strength cycle, you want to eat a lot more at the time. Uh, yep. I hate the term clean bulk because that just means you're going to eat <laughs> so much additional food so instead food. of like a, at the end of the day, your a calorie is a calorie for your body. Right. So eat something very, very calorie dense and milkshakes are a, like you go serve a bowl of ice cream. You might have two or three scoops. You make a milkshake. You have seven. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're going to put chocolate lying. sauce in it and you're going to put Hershey's cups and you're going to put all. Yep. So you want to have something that doesn't necessarily take up a ton of room in your stomach. That's easy to cut out when you're done and you want to go back down and wait and just has a ton of calories. Yeah. Well, you know, um, secretly and probably not secretly now, but in my head, I was like, you know what, this will be a good way for me to get some calories in. Cause I just had some shit session and I want to <laughs> eat. So if Monday comes, I'm going to be ready to go. <laughs> but then I was like, Hey, you guys want to do a milkshake bar? You know, like nobody's <laughs> going to say no to that. So, um, all right, dude. Well, uh, Hey, I got these, um, these new creatine gummies. I'll, uh, I'll shoot you a picture of them. They're interesting. I'm gonna. Okay. I'll probably give you uh, an update on them next time, but we'll we'll talk about that. But I too just show, started dude. adding creatine into my oh. supplements at night because I make like I have some a bunch of different stuff that I take at night, mm -hmm. and I just I had a jar of that stuff and I haven't taken it and I haven't ever taken it consistently. Let's just say oh, really? that. Yeah, yeah. I've never been a creatine person. And I've got some kidney things going on where they were yeah. worried about it at one point, but I'm like, oh, what's one tub of five pound <laughs> tub of creatine? What would that really right. do to my kidney? Right. <laughs> well, I, from what I hear these days, you do, you know, there used to be at the time, I think when it first came out, like you're supposed to cycle on it and cycle off it. And, and as I'm talking like, that's when I was like 16 years old and we first found, found out about it in football, but like. I, from what I understand these days, it's a lot better for you. The monohydrate is, is the way to go. I don't know. Anyways, go ahead. No, I was just, yep. I was going to do that. And then also, since I'm probably going down to a one Oh two for this meet coming up, just for yep. the reasons of getting lighter for health, for life. Yep. Um, yep. I figure if I'm eating healthier, but then I'm taking this creatine, I know you retain more water. So mm -hmm. then I can cut that out right before the competition. That should help me drop some of the weight as well. Works every time. Works every time. I do it. Every time, 90% of the time. <laughs> yeah, right? All right, man. This has been a great show. I know I've said that yeah. like five times now. but um, Really good information. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Go check us out on Instagram. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Adios. Bye.